When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the AI Comic Pod, brought to you as always by the Anfield Index channel. Uh, I'm your host for this evening, Stu, and with me tonight is Rory. How's it going, buddy? I'm alright. I'm getting better, slowly but surely, so it's all yeah. good. As, as anyone who follows us will know, Rory is basically the podcasting equivalent of Darren Anderton, but with <laughs> slightly better hair. I, I'd say... Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say Darren Anderson. What other footballers miss a lot of football? Well, I'd say Jamie um, Redknapp, but you wish you were Jamie Redknapp. In fact, no, I'm not, Jamie, Jamie, I'm Jamie, not Redknapp. Jamie Redknapp. No, there's no. no chance I can go that league. Daniel Sturridge. Um, I'm not as cool as Daniel Sturridge. I'll be honest. It's not. I'm not in that that photo. I'll, I'll keep Darren Anderson for now, but we'll work on that. We'll 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 put that beta in and work on it for a future. Yeah, and those other dulcet tones that you've picked up there are our good friend, Mr. Marco Lopez, who's joined us this evening. And how are you, my friend? Really tired, but okay. Oh, God, it's right fucking Wait. downer, isn't it? Should I just go and drink <laughs> something? Should I go and get a bottle and perk everything up? Uh, I, might, yeah, I might start okay. slurring my words, and I might swear more than usual. That's <laughs> impossible. I, I don't think that's possible. I think it's the only okay. way the to do that, I'd literally have to swear for like... You know, five minutes yeah. non-stop. Just I do wonder. Up. I do wonder what the record is for this podcast for the amount of swear words. I think we're quite high. I'm pretty sure if there's a record, I you hold. Probably are. You probably are. Yeah. But listen, uh, the, the topic's way too good for for us to get too downbeat about. So. Oh, damn right it is. Uh, in, I Jumping think, in there, Jesus! Come on. Yeah, little hosty hostessin over there. Pull it out. <laughs> is it itching? Itching to get involved, eh? It's those. I might STIs have. I might have done do one a bit itchy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Well, we've mentioned it a few times on on Twitter as we tend to do. We the the allotted time has passed now, and we think we're allowed to do Spider Man Homecoming. So we thought we'd uh, we'd sit down and do, try and do as as good a review as we can. As you know, here we are we are known for our incredibly high standards. So you know, there's 
the bar's been set quite high. Yes. Um, it's been out for, what, five weeks, is it, maybe? I would go, yeah, five or six. So it, been out, it's yeah. been out for long enough that everyone who's going to see it probably has seen it, and everyone who's not seen it is a terrible person, and we don't like you anymore. That's essentially it. Yeah, that's yeah, essentially it. If you've not to. seen it, why are you listening to our podcast? As a as a as a, as a golden rule, you know, we're we're obviously big advocates of of Tom Holland and Spider Man. So I'd be surprised if anyone's listening that hasn't watched the film. Yeah, speaking <laughs> of Tom Holland, before we get into it, I didn't realise until you said the other week that he was Dominic Holland's son. No, that and people who fall off, people who aren't from the U. K might not know who Dominic Holland is. He's a kind of mid-level stand-up comic who does a lot of daytime TV, things like the right stuff on Channel Five and stuff like that. He's he's a bit of a kind of he, he's got a bit of charisma, obviously, because he's has stand-up background. But he's not. They don't look that alike. The no, he looks, he could, not, well, because he's a weird-looking like troll thing, isn't he? And Tom Holland he looks he looks a bit like an extra man. from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, he does. He looks he looks a bit like he he stumbled out of. Sauron's cave, or you know, out of the fire that they they that place. Um, he's gonna be one of the worst Twitter bios I've ever heard. <laughs> looks like an extra from the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> We've just been honest, he's quite short and he quite stumpy, and yeah, he doesn't have they just don't look alike. It's quite a surprise to me, but then the more I thought about it, and we, we talked about this, I mean, Stu, quite a lot, is. It's, it kind of has that big impact on Tom Holland's charisma um, and his delivery on his, persona, it on his confidence and delivery, you know, and, and it, it makes, makes a lot of why sense. He's so comfortable with the little quips and the one-liners. I hope Tom Holland doesn't listen to this or Dominic because I just basically said that he was a troll, didn't I, or an org? Look, if Tom Holland listens to this, we won't have to worry about anything ever again because all of a sudden we'll convert it into being millionaires. It'll be like okay. the underpants gnomes. <laughs> Step one, podcast. Step two, Tom Holland listens. Step three, question mark. Step four, millions. Uh, you know, we keep talking about San Diego Comic Con. I, I recently discovered there's a, an international podcasting live event in London. And I'm like, why is Gags not signed us up to that as well? What a bad Do you know what I mean? I know. Empire Films there. Load of other big ones there. Not us. Imagine the queue for us in London. Be massive. It would be literally several people. It would be several people deep, like yeah. seven or but eight, possibly, not including possibly family double. members. I was going to say, if we get all of our family involved, we could easily breach double figures. We could easily be talking about twelve people. Yeah, exactly. Wow. If we brought all your illegitimate children, we could at least breach eighteen. Oh fucking hell! Yeah, let's not go down there. I, I can't afford to fly them all over. That's why Avengers assemble. Right, let's. <laughs> so anyway, that's that's probably the best tension you guys have ever done. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> turned off. Now. It's, just, it's just the three of us. Yeah, wow. it's it's fine. Marco, we'll we'll fly Marco in. You know, he can be the guest special guest. We can do our Logan pod reimagined, which I think is our crowning achievement uh, today. Um, I think the cues would be massive. Like- yeah, it's yeah. a dream, man. One it day, because I was just—you know—I didn't really even realize podcasts until uh, this is completely off topic. But I didn't realize podcasts were quite 
quite <laughs> quite as big as they are, to be honest. I mean, obviously, sporting podcasts are quite big, and yeah, Times and The Guardian and all that jazz, but the, the kind of leisure ones and the, the stand-up comedy ones and stuff, they're just, it's massive industry. Um, yeah, next, I think we're not, we're not marketing well channel, enough. But we'll have to get masks. <laughs> What's that? The next thing is video channels, but we'll have to get masks. I don't want to do video. I'm not a fan. I could do an anonymous video if you could get like a scrambler and then, you know, put a... a like a face anonymous. jacket style yeah. thing. Put like an anonymizer over me voice. So it comes out sounding like this. That'd be We eight. could like get masks like the bank robbers in Spider-Man Homecoming. Dibs being thought. Guys, guys, Chris Hewitt called. He wants his intro back because you've successfully replicated it. Yeah, <laughs> I've been totally... listening to the Empire podcast far too often, it would seem, because I'm ripping off Chris Hewitt, who I, yeah. I don't know why we've not asked, because he's been on the movie night, but if we got Chris Hewitt on, that would be quite a big coup, because Stuart won't know who he is, but he, he's a Liverpool fan, and he also hosts the Empire podcast. He's an Empire Get him for Infinity Wars. Um, I would ask him for Infinity Wars, yeah. Um, it's it's on the agenda, so... Yeah, he's a good guy. Stu would like him. He he loves Marvel, essentially. It's his big thing, which is obviously in our house of things, you know, we we all love it too. So um which is which is the best thing about this film. Do you not think that it became a Marvel film? Uh, I know we're obviously gonna go into detail, but it just feels ultimately Marvel. And and I know people are a little bit marveled out, but it felt right, man, this film. You know, even from the opening, you know, just having happy and night and Tony in there it just felt perfectly Marvel. Well, me. even from the from the the initial announcements, I'm sure a lot of people had it not been pulled into the Marvel umbrella. I think a lot of people, when they announced another Spider-Man film and another like a soft reboot, a lot of people would have had their heads and hands going. Really, three in the space of seventeen, sixteen years, something like that. Do we really need more? And instantly it would have been an uphill battle but because it was marvel you've got to put the other two to one side and say well they're their own separate entity this is you know this is marvel spider-man this is a whole brand new blank canvas to to paint on and on what a masterpiece they've painted as well everything from from day one has been positive it's been exciting uh, we, we got a great little introduction to to tom holland's take on on peter and spider-man in civil war the, the rest of the cast in the way they the way they refused to do the Uncle Ben thing you know they didn't oh the origin, it's the best they, thing about the film it is know? they they didn't do the spider thing they didn't do the Uncle Ben thing they just jumped in what is it I think it's meant to be six to twelve months after the he gets his powers and yes he's, he's more established than you know the first Spider-Man film or the first Amazing Spider-Man but he's still not a hundred percent of the way there he hasn't developed his spider sense yet. He's still not a hundred percent sure, for example, how he can cl- how he can cling to walls. He just knows that he can. You know, he's worked out the strength and the agility, but he's not a hundred percent there. And that was the best possible start that I think they could have given it. Because if it had been another complete origin story, they would have just lost everyone. It's like Batman. You don't need. I, I think we might have said it on, yeah. on a previous pod. If you were to Superman go up to people too. and say. How did Spider-Man get his powers? Everyone knows how Spider-Man got them. You know, a lot of people might not know The Flash or even might not know what happened to Captain America, but everybody knows Batman and Superman and Spider-Man. So it was very wise of them to just 
sidestep it and go right this is what he is he's what 15 16 years old and it, it was a nice change of, of pace it's been likened to who's the director that did all the 80s like teen coming of age films his name's completely gone you gotta give me a clue man cause... oh like uh, Breakfast Club and um, Ferris Bueller it's got that it's got yeah I, the, the thing I liken it to in terms of recent kind of superhero genre films and it's not that dark but it's it's got a bit of a kick ass kind of feel to it I don't know if you picked that yeah. up yeah yeah just, just in terms of similar age bit you know, slapstick as well because kick ass was quite I, was, I watched it again the other day actually yeah, and it's it's quite. But he's got he's got a friend in the same kind of, you know, style. Do you know what I mean? And then there's, I mean, there's obviously hit girl in that, but there's a girl oh, he's interested in. One of the best um, roles of any film ever. Yeah, she's just perfect. And um, I mean, that's a bit further out there. You've got Nicolas Cage's interpretation of Batman, um, which is just incredible. Um, do you know there was going to be a, a Nicolas Cage Batman film that got pulled? And it, it was, was going to be a Nicolas Cage Superman film that got pulled. Oh, was that what it was? Okay. Yeah, oh, we yeah. we talked about it on a um, on a previous. What was it? We talked about it on a previous pod, and I, I read out a description of the of the plot. And my God, whatever they were drinking that day when they wrote it, fucking hell! It must have been like pints and pints of of white spirit to come yeah. up with the weird... I think Kevin Smith got involved at one point. Yeah, it was going to be a Kevin Smith. He, well, he didn't Cage do the original, but I think he did the rewrite. Yeah. And then people from the studio kept jumping in and going, oh, do this, do this, do this. And it just I, I still think weird. there'll come a day we see a Kevin Smith like fully directed picture because he's obviously so, been quite heavily it. involved in the, in the Flash, hasn't he? And it's just... He, he, his if, episode, if there's going to be anything, you think it would be DC because him and Jeff Johns are really good mates. But he's done. Yeah. He's written loads of comic books. I didn't realise how many he's done. I just finished reading a Daredevil book that he did, and it's incredible. Nice. The the guy is seriously talented, and he loves comics, so he's always faithful. But anyway, we love Kevin. Anyway, oh, we should do a Kevin Smith thing. Yeah, we could. <laughs> Not really comic, yeah. but we should do a crossover with Movie Night. Yeah, we'll just do it, man. No one cares. No one cares. <laughs> we get licensed anyway. There's only us listening anyway. Yeah, if we just mention comics a couple of times, we can yeah, get away. Yeah, say with the it. word comic on the you know every ten minutes. That counts. That'll get past yeah, the uh, the sense. Exactly. So yeah. let's um, uh, let's bring Marco in because he might have fallen asleep. Just no, he's no, probably no. I, he's there. I'm, he's there. There he is. I'm, 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 I'm trying to figure out how. Uh, how I'm to gonna... follow that, you didn't even get question, man. All we did was no, just no, no. a monologue about Kevin Smith. But you know, I'm 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 I'm. The, the the points around so I do like the fact that it was brought into the MCU and I, I'm I'm one of these purists who still fundamentally thinks that, you know, <clears throat> I don't care what people say about the Avengers and some of these other characters we we've been introduced to. I still think there's a reason that when you walk out your door and you go to a store, Spider Man is comfortably the most common, the most recognizable and the most prolific character that you could find on a t-shirt to a coloring book to uh, a game a game rack right um so i, I so, would argue uh, batman but but, but batman's mm, only, uh, batman's only equivalent uh, uh, they're both on par is what i'm saying but i mean yeah. my point is compared to the other marvel properties it's comfortably spider-man's the guy now i mean for spider-man to finally be part of this and, and obviously there was a whole big 
uh, sort of arrangement with Sony. It was it was it was fantastic to see. In terms of the movie itself, and I I, I fully ex- agree with what you guys are saying around the origin story. Um, I so I I haven't read a lot of the Ultimate Comics line that uh, apparently inspired much of this film, and and uh, you know my my my, my reading background on Spider Man. Spider Man's probably the the, the the, the comic that I've read the most in, in my life, which is saying something. Um, and well, fundamentally... That's why we wanted you on, because you, you know Spider-Man historically so, a lot better than we do. So, so, so classic Spider-Man. And, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to sort of, uh, sort of outright disagree with what you guys uh, said around, you know, so, so the elements. so is. It's, it's just too <laughs> polite. <laughs> because, because, because you know what the thing is? I, I, I do think, I, I think what's important with all these films is, for, you know, that there's things that they take from the comics and there's things that change. Uh, Tony Stark was not funny, but now he's funny. Um, Batman vs Superman was very faithful to Dark Knight Returns, but it was too dark. Uh, you know, th- 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 there's all these different uh, lines and levels in in, in, all, in all the different comic book films that you see. That and some stuff they keep, some stuff they change. Uh, this the Spider-Man film is far more cosmopolitan. It's been modernized. It feels like a high, like almost a little bit like one of those high school kid movies that uh, we we watched when we were growing up. If if, if you can think of that era, um, but in a good way, in a good way. Now. Um, I think even though my 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 preference would always be to sort of follow that that very classic Spider-Man comic book route of you know understanding the gravity of not not see Uncle Ben die again and not like go through the whole power responsibility arc again, but to understand the the way that that affects his motivations because I think there was room for it in this film. But either way, it's the, it doesn't you know the fact that it wasn't there it doesn't necessarily mean i don't think the film worked it just means that it wasn't there and and i noticed and and i still think that the film was fantastic regardless um i do i i won't dispute though the spider sense thing bugs me a little bit because uh even though it is quite interesting to suddenly see a sequel where aunt may knows who he is because if if you've read classic Spider-Man, it is yeah. ages before someone in his oh, personal yeah. that that's that, one of my favorite yeah. Spider-Man books. That the two the two stories yeah. where um, I'm looking at them now on my shelf and I'm trying to find them. But the one where Probably. she finds out she finds out at the end of one book, doesn't she? And then it goes into the second one, which is called Revelations. Yeah, oh, and I mean, I, like, hang on, like, I've got to find out what it's called. It, but I mean, it, it takes it takes ages home. for that. Yeah, it takes ages for the for that to happen. Is my point, and I think oh God, yeah, you know, he's in his early twenties, isn't he? By the time she finds out, yeah, and I think in yeah. continuity now he's about twenty five, twenty six. But 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 I want to stress, guys, it's not it's it's not that I disagree with the point. I don't. I just I think totally you guys agree with it. No, no, no. I think you guys are right. I think I think the important thing to, to to say about this is, and and I think this is where I've got to commend Marvel and then Disney for for the perspective of saying, look, we're going to do a Spider-Man film. We're going to base it on the character. We're going to change a few things. We're going to put a lot of things in here that you don't actually recognize from the universe. But the spirit of the character, the spirit of the story, is going to be the same. Uh, I, I do have a gripe, but I'll, I'll get to it later. But um, when you look at the way they, they MCU'd it, it worked really well. It was very unique. There's no other film in the, in the MCU quite like this one. Um, 
And I do like the fact, and, and maybe this is deliberate on their part, I do like the fact that it feels like it's the most accessible film to a younger audience. I'm not saying we didn't enjoy it as adults, but I do feel like this, out of all the, out of all the MCU films, is the one that, that you could probably take more of your kids to, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it, I mean, it had to be, really, because Spider-Man is the yeah. kind of universal character. And, and Batman is obviously, as Stu said, extremely well-loved and liked, but I think Spider-Man is the younger... It's the age, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. easy to relate to because I think we might. Kids, kids want to. We talked about this before. Kids want to be Spider-Man. Yeah. Do you know kids, what I mean? My little boy's favorite outfit. So he's got a Captain America outfit. He's got an Iron Man outfit. He's got. Yeah, but so far. Yeah, I know. But he's got all sorts of different things. Oh, I bet, I bet you when he <laughs> wears it, everyone tells him he's cute. No one. <laughs> no, I don't know how they even fit you, man. Did you get them specially made? Gigantor over I'm there. not a, I'm not answering that. All I would say is just check on eBay. Okay. Um, <laughs> trade secret. <laughs> trade secret. Um, and his favourite outfit, if you would expect, is Spider-Man. Because kids love to jump around and they love the energy and the kind of wit and all the kind of, I don't know, brightness that comes along with Spider-Man, really. Because obviously comics are quite dark and they've got that edge to them. Um, whereas Spider-Man is is a different perspective. And, I mean, even looking at all the posters to this film and the way it's been portrayed, it's so bright and visual and colourful. And then you look at Ragnarok and Guardians and they kind of have that same kind of very visual feel to them. But I think the films that have gone before in DC and maybe the other two Thor films and stuff and even the Iron Man films and stuff are a bit grittier in terms of their posters and their, who they're targeting and their audience um, yeah, I took my little boy to see Spider-Man and he's been to Guardians 2 and he's seen Guardians 1 as well um, and a bit of Avengers here and there and stuff but um, Spider-Man's the one that was probably easiest for him to to grasp and, and have some relate to you know, some something to kind of grab onto. There's one scene about, <laughs> about the porno which he just completely lost which was just hilarious um, but um, I was just trying to explain to him yeah, we'll talk about that when you're older you know thank god rory i think you'd have been worried if you understood that well exactly he'd been on <laughs> stew's pc or something um or he's been listening but, to the podcast well exactly um, but it's one of those films it's an extremely accessible film it's it's extremely likable do you know what i mean like, i i didn't think there was any elements of it that weren't just fun you know, it's the, think... the feel-good coming-of-age film, isn't it? And and they did. Yeah, that, you're that, right. That it's the got way that, that coming-of-age style. It. Yeah, a coming-of-age style film with the kind of superhero crossover, and then it's got a couple of. I think it's got a couple of twists in there that it, that made it different again. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of people that, that don't. We will cover that. No, 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 exactly. But I think a lot of people don't find it revolutionary. They don't find it that different i find it really fresh you know because what we're what i don't know what we're into now films 17 marvel films or something i, I don't know what we're up to these days Ash, um, i don't know but it's to make something that feels fresh and feels clean and new and and different um whilst keeping some familiarity as well obviously um it's quite a hard thing to do and i think only i think sony without the guidance of Kevin Feige and Marvel would have made a dog's dinner of it because I think you look at what they've done before and 
you watch this film and you revisit the amazing Spider-Man films. And I think, Stu, I know you've got a bit of a soft spot for Garfield, but he's far too old. And that second film is is pretty messy, to be honest. The first one's got a few redeeming qualities. Well, but I second love one, him. Yeah, I think he's great. And I, I like him in everything he's in. I think he's a great actor. Um, I'm, but I'm, I'm very uh, happy with the with the first two to be honest but i'm talking about way back 2002 2004 oh, no, no, me too. yeah yeah yeah, yeah i mean three those... never happened no one's ever going to talk about that film positively <laughs> it's never happened um but the, the more recent two they were just a bit misguided and they weren't in line with what we want you know we want spider-man in the mcu i think even do you know crazily enough probably my favorite part of this whole film is, is in the first five minutes where he's doing the, the handy cam from when he's on Civil War and he's just talking about all these great things and it's doing all those flashbacks. Um, it's not my, maybe my favourite, but it's one of my favourite parts of the film. I just thought it was genius. I just thought that introduction or that crossover from This is Civil War into Homecoming without needing to do this whole endless backstory, you know what I mean? I just thought it was genius, man. I, I, like, Marvel does that. It doesn't have to tell these stories of narratives like i'm doing this one it just has to basically give you a kind of snapshot of this is what happened and this is this is where we're going straight into the film i just thought that was perfect right we'll tell you what before we go even more off track if we take it back to tom holland himself if we go to marco where how does he rank for you performance wise compared to the previous two Spider-Man's... Spider-Men? Yeah, Spider-Men. It's difficult to say. I mean, this was probably the the best Peter Parker story, ironically, despite the fact that it missed the components um, that I mentioned. Uh, well, there's one I mentioned, which was Uncle Ben, um, which is fine. I think it worked within within what they were trying to do with this execution. But um, the, the one gripe I do have is, and, and it's only because I was very excited to see her cast as well, I, I felt like there was very little development uh, sort of placed on, on, you know, the relationship with Aunt May. So I didn't get a, a good sense of Peter and, and May uh, uh, in, in that relationship, uh, if that makes sense. Um, nonetheless, Tom's a, Tom did Peter Parker really well. You know, this, this kid anxious for approval, struggling to balance all the balls in the air, constantly disappointing people, presumptuous in his superhero activities. I love the whole... You know this dynamic of of him being almost clumsy in in in, in the in the movie's first act, where um, he's waving a guy who's trying to get into his own car. He's scaring kids in the back garden. That that's very that's very Peter in in in, in the early days. Um, if if you contrast it against the others, I mean, it's weird. I I, I loved Andrew Garfield's chemistry with Gwen Stacy, or, or or that character portrayed by Emma Stone, of course. Um, I felt it was believable and meaningful. As Spider-Man, he was far funnier than Maguire, but not necessarily as funny as Holland. So we've got to give Tom props for that. Um, Maguire is he, he was pretty grounded as Peter, and I thought that his that whole anxious relationship dynamic that he had with the Osborns made for very good drama. Um, his interplay with Aunt May is probably the best we've had, even if it's a little bit safe. So it's not particularly interesting. Um, and as Spider-Man, I think he, he he's pretty good. He's just not very funny. Um, so Tom Tom has the potential to obviously <coughs> elevate passes, right? Because he's he, he's good as Spider-Man. But I'm hoping the only thing is I'd I'd want to see that juvenile phase uh, ending pretty soon. Because um, again, I can't 
uh, I can't sort of speak for the modern take on Spidey in, 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 in the recent comics, but um, classic Spider-Man in the comics doesn't stay at Midtown High too long. He, um, the, the, the Spider-Man reflected and living during uh, uh, university and, and working class Spider-Man, arguably my favorite version of him. Um, because then the juvenile stuff stops and then the full force of his powers and significance starts to take effect. Um, I didn't get the sense of Tom being an action hero. Um, I, I really wanted to see more of the science with stuff because I think that's something we, we didn't see enough of this film, this, this ingenuity that, that, that Peter actually has because of the, you know, it was, it was pretty much left to, uh, him and Ned having this great way that they effectively managed to jailbreak the suit, which is cool, but, um, Spider-Man in the comics often, you know, figures a lot of this stuff out, and he's often confronted with uh, enemies that he actually can't physically beat. He has to be smarter than them, which which he is. Um, but what did come through, which which I think is fantastic, is Peter's determination, courage, and resilience, and and I think that's that's really important around you know how how that portrayal comes along. So um, if he's not if he's not the best. Spider-Man struck Peter Parker for most people. He will be probably in a couple of movies time, I reckon. Okay, what about you, Rory? Where does he rank for you? Um, I'm a little bit kinder. Um, I think he's... I think he's the best all-round that we've had. So, I can see some merit. I mean, Tobey Maguire... You hate him, Stu, but I think that's harsh. I think he... He was interesting enough in the role, and I think he, he brought some good characteristics to it, but he's just not believable enough for me at times. Um, Spider-Man 2 is a really great film. Um, but is Spider-Man 2 a great film because of him or because of the villain? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a mixture of, of both, but I, I think it's the villain... It's yeah, the villain. I think it's, it's Dr. Octopus. I mean, he's a great villain. Um, no, no doubt about that. He's an incredible villain, and I hope they reboot that into some future film because he's just amazing. Um, but Garfield just didn't sit right. I think the whole—he's too old, man. I mean, he's just too old, and he's almost. That sounds a bit. He's probably too good looking as well. And I, I know it know, sounds. Peter Parker is. He's always been typically drawn as being a handsome, a handsome guy, and he's never been sure yeah. of female attention. I just think he'd maybe a bit too clean cut, you know. I, th- I think Tom Holland is, is really young in his approach to it, but obviously he's playing a 15, 16-year-old. And I think Marco's right. I think you want to see him get past that, um, see a little bit more what he can do. But I, I thought it was quite clever how they played with the um, concept of, you know, growing into being coming Spider-Man, you know, and the, the combinations. How many combinations are there? That would have been a oh, quiz question. 500 and something different combinations. Yeah, that kind of thing. And I was too busy recognising Jennifer Connelly's sweet voice. Yeah, exactly. Wait, um, little side note for everyone. Jennifer Connelly is married to... Paul Bettany. And Paul Bettany plays... Jarvis. Vision. Vision, a.k.a. Jarvis. So <laughs> the, the original voice of Tony's suit is married to the voice of Spider-Man's suit. And that can't not be on purpose. That's too oh, much no, of it, that, that's Easter That's totally egg. deliberate. Just Marvel love in-your-face Easter eggs, don't they? Yeah, they love the, a the bit things of that. that when so I thought that was genius. Going, oh, God, I can't believe I didn't pick up on that. Well, I think we all did for once, which is, you know, but it's pretty straightly obvious. But um, I just think his charisma, his charm, his wit is just ace. His comic timing, he's got so much energy. I love the fact that he put all the effort into becoming, you know, a gymnast. 
As well, such, he, he already and was. He, he trained in gymnastics from a very, very young age, and there's a brilliant. But he pushed story. himself harder, man. Yeah. When um, when he went for the audition, he was asking them, "Well, do you want me to do a flip? You know, do you want me?" I think at one point they wanted him to read a line, and he was like, "Well, what about if I was to flip in or something to make it a bit more believable?" And they were like, "Okay." And we we've praised him on on many many different pods. It makes him more believable because they're less reliant on stunt people and less reliant on CGI because he's able to do so much of it himself. Obviously, within reason, he's not allowed to do the the really heavy-duty, super hardcore stuff where he could potentially really hurt himself. But previously going into this, if I was being objective and if I take off my I hate Tobey Maguire glasses, Tobey Maguire was probably the better Spider-Man. Because I think yeah. the CG was a little bit smoother and a little bit less bendy, if you see what I mean. The Amazing Spider-Man, sometimes he just moved like he was a piece of latex rather than an actual human with a you know skeletal system. But Andrew Garfield was by far the better Peter Parker. But Tom Holland, for me, has eclipsed them both. I think he's finally got the balance right. The, the only thing I would say is he's probably not as believable in terms of the fighting, but I think that makes sense when you think he's only 15, 16 years old. You know, he, he's, and his powers make up for that. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's one yeah, of those where does, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's used and exuberance kind of getting by, basically. Do you know what I mean? Because he's not fighting well in this film, is he? Let's be honest. He's not, but that makes it more believable because if all of a sudden he was pulling yeah. off all these incredible moves and bench pressing people, even though he can, even though he physically can, he doesn't know how to. You know, he doesn't know yeah. the logistics. He's, make, he's making fight. it happen. In, in his own way like the scene when he's chasing down the van you know and going through all the gardens and all that kind of slapstick humor but that works man you know it, it it does work um something you might not have heard um so him and john bernthal were on set of a film in ireland that i've yeah. not seen when yeah you already know this thing. i do um you know everything about this shit um, I'm online all the time i'm never offline the hell they'll come the a day there'll be come a day where i will say something you'll be like no i did not know that that's Only if I've been asleep or in a coma. Well, but you're going to refer to the fact that uh, they helped each other, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. So they were doing, they were doing their, which I didn't know actors did so much actually anymore, to be honest. Where they do their um, like videos for for um, screen test videos, isn't it? Basically. Yeah. Um, and John Bernthal was helping um, Holland with his lines and stuff, which I thought was really cool. And I think he did the same for him with Punisher. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is really cool because they're two of our favourite characters, you know. Um, and I kind of like—I don't know—it made me. It, it certainly made me like John Burnsall even more because he looks like a guy that wouldn't be approached, and he's obviously clearly not that in the slightest. You know what I mean? <laughs> which is kind of likable because, um, yeah, he's an extremely tough coming across dude. So, yeah, I thought that was really cool. I like the way that things kind of aren't grounded in the superhero context you know as soon as you there's always a kind of wheel of involvement a little bit like the jennifer connelly thing i thought that was i like all that kind of stuff i think it plays really well i think this film kind of ties in a lot of things remind then, me to speak to you about the the license plates when you talk about easter eggs later oh man you know your stuff i man. think i know what you're um, going to say about them but yeah okay so, so do you want me to tell you now no no not not just yet we'll do okay. that in a bit so right, cool. um one thing for you, Mark, I was a long-time Spider-Man reader. 
you, I assume you were quite pleased when they announced that they were doing the Vulture as a villain. Because yeah. if I remember yeah. rightly, the Vulture was, he was either Spider-Man's first villain or he was his first proper villain. Yeah, pro- probably his first proper villain. Um, him and the Tinkerer make uh, their appearances way back in the very second issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Um, so you're talking uh, in about, fact, is that our late 30s? Me, no, uh, uh, 63. So here's, here's the first Easter egg. Um, when you see uh, their vehicle drive off in the car, the license plate is SM20563, which people are referencing as Spider-Man issue number two in May 1963, yeah. which is the date of that exact issue. Um, and yeah, I was I was delighted. Uh, first of all, because you know the Vulture is one of those characters who I think I think you can because the Spider-Man Rogues Gallery is so cool. You can probably look at some classification. There's um, medium villains. Let's call them. I'd put put Shocker in that category. Major villains would be people like the Goblin, the Vulture, Doc Ock, Venom, etc. And 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 I thought it was fantastic to to not only go with someone like the Vulture who we haven't seen before as well. It's important that it's someone new. But um, just the way I, I, I thought the whole interplay with the way that it brought it into what was fundamentally a very grounded story was brilliant. I, I really, really liked that. Um, I didn't expect that at all from the film to start that way. You've got the damage control guys uh, coming in, um, trying effectively taking business away from these working class types. And it fits in very nicely with something that often happens with Spider-Man villains where you, you – it, it's very odd. Every now and then you find yourself relating a lot to a Spider-Man villain, even though they're a bad guy. So you've always got these dichotomies. Um, uh, one of the reasons Dr. Octopus works so well in Spider-Man 2 is for that reason. And I think the Vulture was so interestingly portrayed in this film. And uh, Sorry, I just want to quickly say it. Michael Keaton is brilliant in this movie. He really he steals, is. He steals every scene. My favorite scene in the film is in the car. Um, which is so funny because, like, you know, it's a Spider-Man film. You'd expect it to be some fight or something. Um, it's just he, uh, uh, Vulture really, really, really does well to, um, you know, put across this, uh, uh, highly clever and, and, and there's this element of sympathy that, that, that you start with. Uh, uh, he's, he's just, yeah, he's, he's just absolutely, Brilliant in, in the way that he sort of portrays his plan. He's trying to keep under the radar of the Avengers, um, which also then works for the very grounded nature of the film. So it's just, yeah, I, I really, really was delighted with the casting of uh, uh, Keaton and and them specifically going for the Vulture. It's also ironic considering his role in Birdman as well. <laughs> so. Yeah, it was it, it was interesting because the, the logical thing for them to do would have been Doctor Octopus or the Green Goblin. You know, somebody that we've seen on screen before and somebody that people would have been a little bit more familiar with because outside of the animated series a lot of people probably aren't that familiar with the vulture and the and the version they did on the animated series was slightly they they tweaked it a bit didn't he where he's got those gauntlets and he he drains um life force out of people to use himself yeah the whole thing is trying to get younger so it, it it would have been a little bit strange for them to have have gone down that route because that would have been a really weird thing to throw in. But like you say, they, they did a brilliant job of humanizing him, and, and you can understand how normal everyday guy has gone from a, a, a blue collar job or white collar job, whatever color color it is, to to super villainy. But 
he's doing it to to stay below the radar, and it, and it fits in with the 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 image of the humble. Uh, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, doesn't it? You know, the na- uh, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man is looking after the low-level neighborhood villains, and he leaves the big guys to the Avengers. So, and uh, there's there's great stories about Michael Keaton. He was constantly walking around saying Batman lines in a Batman voice to crack everyone up. He was always doing it to try and make <laughs> Tom Holland laugh. And you know, he, that what what was that film? Was it eighty nine that came out? And you can still in your head see. The first time when he's holding that that guy, and the first time he pulls him right to his face and goes, "I'm Batman," and you can imagine him doing that when they're trying to film this scene. You know, nearly all this time later, it's just and and Michael Keaton's brilliant. We love Michael Keaton. He's just he was a great piece of casting, and he he's obviously the biggest name in there of the main cast. You know, if you take Robert Downey Jr. out of there because he's not really a main, he's a he's a supporting character, isn't he? And you, you think that the rest of the of the cast is made up of relatively unknown people. So, yeah. um, Rory, have you, have you had any any exposure to the Vulture, and how did you find him as a as a choice for a villain? Yeah, I, I didn't expect the Vulture either, to be honest. Um, I thought it was quite an interesting, very modern take on the Vulture because you know he's not the coolest looking villain normally. Do you know what I mean? Bald suits. Bit awkward, and whereas this is obviously ultra tech, ultra modern. I, I don't know from from the, the you know the, the things that I've read and, and stories that I've seen of Spider Man, it's a completely different retelling. Um, I thought it was cool to be honest. I thought I thought Keaton was just perfect casting. I think his gravitas just just really brought another level to the film, and that particular scene in the car, um, kind of on the reveal, was was pretty. It was very sinister, wasn't it? I just saved it your life. Sinister, what did you say? Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah. thank, thank you. And he's really scared the shit out of him. Well, exactly, exactly. And he's he's got that presence and that menace that you believe, you know, and it needed someone of that caliber because, like you said, you know, Tony's in it, uh, Robert Downey Jr. is in it for a period, and, and obviously Happy, John Favreau's in it. And it's great to have Happy back. I think that was a great touch. And I thought he was really interesting as the kind of... I don't know, the contact, isn't he? He's the kind of contact, but he's a little bit... He's, he's happy, he's clumsy, he's not particularly organised, he's, he's tasked to his doing something, and then eventually, you know, Peter's the one that bails him out, really. And, yeah, I thought the whole cast, experience-wise, brought by those kind of three, w- was really good. Um, and I think the younger ones held up really well. I mean, the kid that's his best friend, that's his first film, I thought he really? was really good. Yeah, it's his first film. There um, you go. You did it. Never, yeah, I did it. Yeah, it's not major, but I did it. Um, yeah, so his, <laughs> his first appearance in film, full stop, um, which I thought is great because he came across pretty experienced, actually, and and actually worked really well in the role. Um, a bit of kind of light relief, do you know what I mean, which which you needed. Um and then everyone was a bit dubious about people like Zendaya because of her background, but I thought she was great. I thought she was really kind of mysterious. Um, she was the more interesting of the two kind of female leads. Um, well, it's, you know, the female parts in it anyway. I think the only one for me, I'm just not sure about Marissa, Tamayas, May, Parker, to be honest. Aunt May, I just don't see it. Completely. It wasn't service. I just didn't get it. I, I just, 
it kind of it was it was it was fun in Civil War and it was funny, um, but it was just awkward in this. And I don't know if that was just me. No, it, it, I, I agree with that. I, I just I felt it was something that maybe needed a bit more 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 contextual writing because it almost felt there was a point in the film where I thought that um, Peter's relationship to Tony felt far more important than than Peter's relationship to May. And I'm not necessarily saying that wasn't his, you know, uh, Peter's uh, intense emotion, but I just, which is fine because he was trying really hard to impress Tony after all and live up to, 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 to whatever Tony was, was trying to impart on him. But I just, I, d- I didn't always get a sense that he was as anxious about on May. And again, I think, you know, I'm, I'm trying very hard not to make that comment with the classic comic arc in mind because, um, you know, the the whole intent of this film wasn't to try and put across this angstful Spider-Man. Um, an anxious one, yes, but not an angstful one because there is an important difference. Uh, but I think in, in, in that respect, you know, Marisa Tomei then, rem- then remains a weird... But but maybe then that's probably why they decided to do this whole thing where she suddenly finds out because they might actually create a very interesting dynamic between uh, between the two of them, which you can which you can explore in subsequent films. Yeah, yeah. Stu, your take on her? Um, I I liked her. I I think her her being a bit younger. I think they've been able to to add a, a different dynamic in because previously she's always been. Doddering around the house, and yeah, you know, she's been a bit of a she's a bit of a lurker. I was yeah, thought, she, she's always just there in the background. But the youth and her, I mean, they've taken a good bloody twenty odd years off her. You know, she's she's been more like his grandma than his aunt the way they've depicted her. And I would yeah, say this, this is probably more of a of a fair reflection on the sort of age gap. Um, it is, yeah. but just just the way she, I don't know, the way it was pitched, it didn't quite fit with me. I I I liked it. I I I thought it worked pretty well, but I think that there's there's definitely a lot more potential for her character now she knows what's going on because now she's she's got to be more involved in his life and now you can imagine in future films there's going to be a lot more room for her to be having little one-liners and maybe even helping him out, you know, if if he had, you know, sending him off somewhere to do something and what have you. I, I don't know. And maybe, I think the one thing she didn't get is to interact with anyone else, because in yeah, Civil War, she's obviously in Civil War, she's playing off Tony, and that works extremely well because obviously it's Robert Downey Jr. and yeah, full stop really. But um, but it, that worked quite cleverly. I think they've worked together before as well in the past, and it just seemed to work. Um, I think in this that that relationship didn't quite. Yeah, that's the one that was a little bit out of tune. But, you know, there's still some, some other good stuff and that. Like I said, I think his um his relationships in general is were 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 interesting, you know. I think he had enough turmoil and enough issues, but there's gonna be some more development to go there. And obviously it's it's the first of what will be a trilogy and then some probably. Um so the scope for the character to develop, there's there's obviously a lot of room. I think this is one of the best. If you're looking at an origin story and a kind of new take on things, it's probably ironically, one of best, it's probably one of the best origin stories we've had. You know, because yeah. I think it's better than Thor. Um, I, I'm a really soft spot for for the Captain America film um, crossing over. I think Wonder Woman was was fantastic for an origin story. In fairness, but. Um, 
you know, I think Spider Man's Spider Man's certainly up there. I mean, it's Iron Man's pretty pretty damn good as well. So they they generally get it right. But I thought this was quite quite unique. It was a little bit different. Yeah. I thought the way that uh, also all, all, all the characters interacted, um, that's one of the things, again, not necessarily that they're going for it, but it did mirror a lot of the cool things around the classic uh, period of the comics because um, you 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 get the sense at high school, and, and this is the weird thing, that even though uh, Flash is depicted in, in, in the comics as this, this big, typical you know American-style culture, He's he's a total jock, and I mean the 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 take on Flash here in this film is actually quite funny as well because he is kind of a jock as well, but just far more modernized. So he's not necessarily all like brutish and huge muscles and stuff, but he's just you know, I guess cooler. He's a bit is, of a big rich kid, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. But 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 I, this is one of the best parts about this film. I mean, my wife and I watched it, and we just. We couldn't stop waxing lyrically about the way that they mixed it up. It felt like a typical American high school, or at least what I think one is. Um, yeah. It felt very cosmopolitan. I loved how everyone was was from you know mixed backgrounds and and and, and, raci- and racial uh, uh, backgrounds and what have you. Um, Ned uh, Ned uh, Ned's performance was that good that I think you've got to put him on the same level as Luis and Ant-Man or Wong and Doctor Strange. Whoa, whoa, he, whoa, whoa. No, no I, on I, Luis's level, man. No I, I, on Luis's level. Uh, but, but I think, I think he's close to it, man, because he was so funny. He, 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 I love he it when he puts on the mask. I love it when he, he puts on he, the mask. He landed a lot of the lines. Um, he also, he was also part of the, uh, the, the only moment of heartbreak in the film when he dropped the freaking Death Star. You can't <laughs> do it. Um, oh, I the thought, Lego Death Star, man. Literally, that gave me palpitations. Like Jake yeah, destroys his Lego and it literally kills my OCD, man. I'm, I I I can relate. I can relate. But I mean, like, like that whole the, the whole group. Um, Liz Allen, well cast, well portrayed. Yeah, um, she was good. She she was cool. Flash was cool. Um, I thought um, Michelle was was interesting. Um, a relevant piece sort of placed in this universe, very calculated, very thoughtful, intelligent. I think far more accessible to accessible to most girls uh, of, of of the current era, I would think. Um, I, I like this one observation just quickly. You know that they, yeah. they won the competition um, without Peter. I so love that. I love that as well. And that's obviously yeah. quite a, a, a little thing for a lot of people. But for me, it, it's, it's good because it gave them a little bit of impact in the fact that it's not just Peter that wins everything. It's not that him is what they're totally relying on. Do you know what I mean? It, it, I just yeah. thought that was quite clever. Because I think yeah. in old Spider-Man films gone by, they wouldn't have won. It's the typical failure because you've not got Peter there. You know, and yeah, I, I think that was interesting. Anyway, I thought that was a little touch that was good. I agree. I, I, I just think the whole group was just really well assembled and, 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 and it worked really nicely. And again, like I said, it just, it just reminded me a lot uh, in the comics, but comic books often put, put a lot of uh, emphasis on an interplay between uh, Peter, Flash, Harry, uh, MJ when she shows up, Gwen, um, Liz Allen early on. You know, there's, there's just a lot of good stuff and, and, and they really captured that really, really well, I felt. Yeah, they did. Um, sticking with one of those people mentioned. You've got Liz Allen. I mean, she's a long-term love interest from the comics, isn't she? But she's not depicted that often. It tends to be Mary Jane is the is the go-to yeah. love interest for Spider-Man, and occasionally you get Gwen Stacy. But sticking with Liz, 
Did either of you see the plot twist coming? <laughs> Not a chance. No. no I don't way. know why. I, was... I don't know why I didn't even clock to it because it was alluding. Yeah, it's, it's too damn good. It was alluding to something, you know. It, it was, and and it, you probably, you know, hindsight's always a wonderful thing, isn't it? But it, I just didn't get it at all, and and it really shocked me actually because I was like, shit, that's a really clever plot twist. I, I thought, and then that, you know, when he's driving him to the prom, it's just genius, man. It's just genius. The sinister looks on his face every time she says something like she's like, oh, but you know. Peter wasn't uh, Peter wasn't actually with us and oh but um, you can't keep a poker face let's put it that way Peter Parker yeah, Tom Holland did not recall it cannot keep oh what you, you stopped working with Tony Stark oh right okay and every time he says something you can see the cogs going round in a dad's head and he's going okay okay maybe that's a coincidence and then there's three or four and he's like no yeah, no this, this you is you are Spider-Man but you are Spider-Man but that's the thing that's the thing that I love as well about it is because you often have these situations um, and I mean the, the biggest culprit infamously I suppose is Superman where you know bad guys or people around them can't figure it out they can't figure out the link uh, save for a pair of glasses and, and, and one, one hair curl um, you do know what I, the I full like- comic explanation for that is no Right. I don't know I don't know how canon this is now, but there was years and years and years ago an explanation given as to why people can't tell the difference and it's kind of like a localized mind control that when he puts it it's not putting on the glasses, there's something that his Kryptonian brain does that changes people's perception of how he looks. Okay, so so in the absence of stuff that otherwise you'd know, <laughs> but that that's interesting, Stu. I, I I just love the fact that you know Keaton figures something out that everyone just basically would otherwise figure out logically. Because one of the things that that's always intrigued me about um uh so so for example in 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 the comic arcs that I've read, um Peter gets very anxious that Captain Stacy deduces his um. Uh, his identity. He doesn't, unlike uh, unlike we saw in the in the Amazing Spider-Man films with Andrew Garfield, we don't ever see that that you know explicit reveal. I like the fact that Michael Keaton's Vulture figured this out. I like the fact that he then used it. Fun enough, not to suddenly do this whole big revenge plot against Peter, but almost to say, listen, right now I'm going to play the card of being aware that I'm a father and a villain, and. I'm just going to give you a very friendly warning that if you take this next step, you're going to lose out, not me. And it's just interesting to then see, obviously, what happens after that. But I just, I love the fact that he figured it out. I think it's, it brings it far more into a, you know, into a real space. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, it it also goes a long way to showing his intellect, doesn't it? They they've they've built him up. He, he's clearly a very 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 clever guy, and this just reinforces that. Why you know. A lot of people tend to not have their secret identities exploited like this. So the fact that one person's been able to, to me anyway, it really puts him on a on a pedestal of, well, this is how clever he is. A lot of people would have seen these things and just written them off and gone, no, nah, he, he, he couldn't be. This little kid here, he couldn't be Spider-Man. But he's the only one that, you know, puts them together and comes out with it. But I... At I that can... point as well, Spider-Man's not particularly established because he's not, you know, he's, he's a, there's a bit of YouTube revelation, you know, but there's no, he's not that well known in New York, 
terms, you know? It's it was it's very much an origin neighborhood story. It was very local rooted. He only gets to know him because of the destructions he does to his plans, you know? Um and I thought that kind of scene around the bank when you got those kind of alien weapons, um, which they've taken from the first Avengers film. Um I thought that was pretty cool. I think the timelines were a bit confusing. Is that fair to say? <laughs> because of Avengers, and they said how many years on, and it doesn't feel that many years on. Yeah, if you if, if you listen to a couple of the Empire podcasts, the guys are convinced that uh, Disney have, have messed up. Uh, they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're missing a year somewhere, but it's but it's fine. I think we can forgive them this because yeah, somehow we can. We'll... Yeah, we can. Yeah. I think we're at this stage now where we just don't know what the hell's going on in terms of timelines because there was that same thing in Doctor Strange, wasn't there, where we we couldn't figure out who the parale- paraplegic person was, you know, whether yeah. we thought it was Rhodey or whether we thought it was someone else. Um, so, yeah, I think we're a little bit who knows what. But we've got Infinity Wars to come, so we have no idea what the hell's going to happen. And we've got a 90-set Captain Marvel film, so that's not going to confuse anything. Um, I genuinely thought this film was a massive success. I think the box office numbers show that. I think people maybe expected a little bit more from it. Uh, I think those people are, are pretty harsh, personally. Yeah, there's. Um, it's a bit lacking in action. Would you think for for a Spider-Man film? I think yeah, it, but to me, that I think the sense. action works. I, I think it, it makes complete sense. It depends what you compare it to because I think if you if if you look at the kind of Spider-Man that that people would have wanted to put on film in two thousand and two this kind of film wouldn't have necessarily worked. But if you look at the kind of Spider-Man, and again, this is what I was trying to say. This this is based in the comics, and it's even based in a certain particular um, uh, you know, component and, and then theme of it within the MCU as well. So it needs to be able to access Tony Stark and weave in um, some of the broader things, even right back to the first Avengers film. So um, it is light on action, and I think you know, it's it's, it's always fun to see uh, a big spectacular punch-up, um, but I, I, I'd almost argue that they kind of already gave us that in Civil War, because that's still just such an amazing um, uh, fight. Anyway, uh, I think it it comes across as this. I don't know. It's like it's like the the MCU version of Ferris Bueller days off. Uh, Ferris Bueller's day off, and it was just a lot funnier and a lot better, and and um, it worked for me. I mean, yeah, there's not a lot of fighting, but. No, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm just. It, look, I, as I said, it works completely for me. I'm just putting out the feelers from some of the feedback from some people because that's, yeah. you know, that's that's one of the criticisms I've read among various other bits and pieces. But I think overall, people were, I think people came out smiling, and I think sometimes you need that. I think one thing we've not mentioned, and Stu might have done, is the the Captain America stuff. I thought the coach. The dejected-looking coach Brilliant. was incredible. I thought he was perfect. I thought his line about whether we're allowed to, to use these Captain America things because he's now a what he's a, he's a he's a fugitive. Yeah, I thought it was just genius. It actually made me laugh out loud in the cinema, which is quite rare. And I thought all those Captain America things were just brilliant. I thought it was Best just post-credit scene ever. It's true. <laughs> um, <laughs> Worst post-credit scene ever because it made me really fucking angry. Yeah, I was expecting more. Really angry. There was a couple of good little nods just before we do um, start to think about wrapping up, which takes about 15 minutes. There was a couple (laughs) of little nods 
in there to other characters that are worth mentioning. We've also we've obviously got um, the Scorpion is in there, Matt Gargan, and that one they mentioned that a couple of times because it was when he was talking to uh, the Tinkerer, and he, he met. Yeah. I forget the exact line, but he says something like, "We've got that Gargan piece or that Gargan job." And as soon as he said that, me and Tom, me mate that I went to see it with, we both looked at each other and went, "Matt Gargan." Because the Scorpion is one of the, is a is a classic Spider-Man villain as well, a long-time member of the Sinister Six. So they've just they've given that payoff a little bit. Then you see him on the on the ferry, and he's even got a Scorpion tattoo on his neck. And then he's in the mid-credit scene. For anyone that didn't know, that's the guy that asks Tombs in the prison. You know, there's word going round that you yeah. know who um, Spider-Man really is, and he's like, well, no, because if I knew who he was, I would have killed him by now, wouldn't he? So at some point you'd think in the second or the third Spider-Man film, that's got to come off and, and Scorpion has got to fully come out with the, the suit and with the mechanical tail that shoots acid. Um, they also we've, not had, we've not had Scorpion depicted, have we, in not, film? Not in film, think... but he was a long-term part we've of the We've had a lot, right? Theory. So we've had like Sandman, Venom, Doc Ock, Green Goblin, uh, Electro... Electro. Electro. Who is the? Oh, um, is it? Oh, it's the croc, isn't it? It's the um, no, lizard, lizard thing in the do. So, the, yeah, the, so we've been a lot of his, of his, of his big. Of his but big there's so film. many more, man. That's the thing with Spider-Man. The villain list is just there is. He's got. I think. We, we, well, we did an official pod, and you lovely listeners and followers um, ranked Spider-Man as having the second best rogues gallery after Batman. Which is That's completely fair. fair. That's just totally very fair. fair. Yeah. Um, Donald Glover, that was very briefly in there. He was the character well, that he's playing. Is I've known seen the his character. casting. I've seen him listed, but I didn't know what he played. I can't remember him in the film actually. Well, he's the guy that when he um, he's the guy that's um, trying to buy weapons underneath that bridge. And oh, Spider-Man interrupts it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that horrible garage. interrogation, which is really funny as well. Oh, is that, <laughs> see, Donald Glover is... Uh, just give me more of Donald Glover. He's just an absolute legend. You he's never know who's really, going to be in really Because the character that he's playing is in the comics. He, he He's a bit of a vigilante as well, isn't he? And he's called the Prowler. And he yeah. mentions that he's got a nephew who lives in the area. And that is Miles Morales. So for yeah. anyone who doesn't know, Miles Morales is a current incarnation of Spider-Man from a parallel universe. Young African-American teenager. So we, we won't pour into them too much. It's just, again, they're little Easter eggs that, that have been put out there quite prominently. Speaking, just to add to that Easter egg, if you look at the license plate on the card during that inter- interrogation, yeah. USC-M01 or in English, Ultimate Comic Spider-Man number one, which is the first appearance of Miles Morales and the yeah. Prowler. Because he, that's his title, isn't he? He's the. They he's, really he's did the nail Spider-Man. all the. See that to me wouldn't happen if it wasn't under the Marvel guidance. No, Do you know what I mean. No. There's no way. There's just no way. And I just thought that's the thing about this film. It did, and, and we've alluded to it. We talked about it a lot. But you know, John Favreau was so important to this film. Do you think? I mean. After not seeing him for what? Well, was he in Iron Man three? I know he's certainly in the first two. Uh, he's probably. He in the third I don't. One. I don't he was think because he... Uh, the the extremist virus uh, nearly kills him, or, or there's there's okay. that attack that he uh, experiences. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But we've not had any involvement from him, 
I, no. I was a bit surprised to see him back, to be honest. I mean, it was probably known quite early on. Oh, it um, was. They announced it very, very early on that he was he was going to be involved and that he was going to be coming back. Is, and is there scope that he's going to direct a Spider-Man film, do we think? Or? No. The, the, there's There's been suggestions... When Spider-Man started filming and they were all together, there was photos that came out of Tom Holland, John Favreau, Robert Downey Jr. and Kevin Feige. And there were suggestions that, at the moment, Marvel aren't making any plans to make another Iron Man film. But if they do make another Iron Man film, they want John Favreau to direct it, and he's happy to do so. Oh my but God. that's all going to depend on what happens. You know, does Robert do, does Iron Man die in Infinity War, or does he get injured so he retires, or whatever? But I think I think it's it fair to say he's probably getting too old. He's he's getting too old, so he's going out of it in one way or another. Um, yeah, I think we're expecting something bold in Infinity Wars for him or Captain yeah. America, but we, that's another discussion. But um, so speaking yeah. of Infinity Wars, go on. We, I don't know how many of you have watched the leak trailer because by now I thought it would the Infinity War trailer would have come out fully, but I it hasn't. That's what I, I agreed with last. Last was that I didn't. It wasn't a trailer for me, and you said, "Yeah, it's a trailer. It's, it's compiled load of clips." It wasn't a, a fully formed trailer for me. Do you know what I mean? It was. No, it, this it's is, what this I is think generally they call it a teaser, wouldn't they? Yeah, exactly, exactly. It, it's um, not generally with a with a a full. God, I watched release. it ages ago. How how long's Comic Con gone? It's a month. couple of months. Couple no, of months. No, it's about about four six weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I we, can't believe we, nothing's we come out re- since. Yeah. We did the review on it. Uh, when, are we expecting I reckon do we think pre-Ragnarok I think it'll be released online you know by like Marvel Studios in the weeks leading up to Ragnarok but with the, yeah. the full release being in the cinema but in that you get to see Peter wearing the new suit uh, for anyone who knows <laughs> you just ruined Marco he's not seen it man <laughs> no 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 but I, no, I knew about that that would been cool yeah, okay. it doesn't matter. And in any case, I figured like they're not going to tease Everyone the suit figures. of Spider-Man Homecoming, yeah. and then yeah, it's but don't the worry Iron Spider suit. It's the Iron Spider suit. It's not the well, traditional Iron Spider suit. They're calling suit, it, but, but my my first thought when I saw it, I actually think it looks more like Ben Riley's Spider-Man suit from the mid '90s. I think it was '94, oh, '95. You're talking about the Scarlet Spider outfit? No, when Ben Riley becomes Spider-Man. Oh, right, right, right. right Because right, right, that, right. that's the one where he had the giant spider on the chest where the, the arms and I legs just... go over the top and around the back. And when I first saw it, that's what I thought of. But it is being depicted as the Iron Spider suit where it's a little more armoured. It's got more gadgets. It, as far as we can see, it doesn't have the you know the protruding legs that come out the back, which are cool as fuck. And the only di- the major difference really is that they've stuck with the red and blue theme rather than the Iron Man uh, red and gold theme, which would have yeah. been a dead giveaway. But still, that that's a big point to to end the the film on because he, he's presenting him with pretty much everything that he wants. You know, he's offering him full time yeah. Aven- Avengers membership. He, he wants him to move into the new facility. He'd be living there with all all of these guys that he could learn so much from. And, and he's all offering the exposure him, as well, man. You know, and, and, he, and he's offering day. him this this incredible new suit that would have even more toys and gadgets for him to play with. But he has a rare moment of of humility, and he accepts that what he said to him at the beginning of the film about you know 
you know you stay below the radar you operate in that little gray area you, you know you're too big for the police but you're too small for the avengers that your sweet spot is right there in the middle and he accepts well you know i've who's going to look after the little guy and the, i thought that was a really good payoff because that's what spider-man that the, the saying has always been you know well, just your friendly neighborhood spider-man and that's what he's doing he's there looking after you know catching the bank robbers and the uh, the criminals that are trying to abduct people down alleyways and stuff like it was that. A, it was a moral lesson, wasn't it? Do you know it, what I mean? It, it was, was the yeah. moral lesson and it went full circle. And I think actually that was probably the best way they could have ended it because he could have easily in another, you know, ending could have just walked out into the room and it cut. Do you know what I mean? He could have walked through those doors. Um, and I thought it was really clever because it, it he obviously is going to be involved in Avengers, that's 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 very clear. Um, but it's going to come together in a different way, and he's going to come in to consideration for, for for his own merit, kind of thing. And I think that's what all the the film was him fighting against Tony's overcomplications. Do you know what I mean? Because Tony's trying to put all the tech in the suit, and Spider Man wants to do it his own way do you know what I mean he wants basic spider settings he doesn't want all this other advanced interrogation yeah. mode and instant kill <laughs> instant kill was <laughs> hilarious um, but it, he didn't want that because he wanted he wanted to be himself do you know what I mean and I think the suit took away from a little bit of that and I thought that was really cleverly done actually I think that ending really helped the film I think without that ending it wouldn't have come together quite the way it did personally I, I was a little bit disappointed. I wanted him to accept the membership. Nah, no, he'll he's got his time on his side, man. It's gonna happen. But, it, anyway. but, but I think the way it develops in the future will 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 sort of you know take the right traje- trajectory. Because I mean, um, on his terms, maybe. Yeah, he he needs his own moment to grow and develop. It uh, also like let's be honest, a few Avengers just need to be killed off. Um, he needs. They really he do. Needs, yeah, Spider-Man needs to become a force in his own, and and uh, rather than you know what we're looking at, so, so, sort of this kid lacking, you know, or needing way too much supervision, um, I uh, I think he's going to need the suit because uh, the the stuff that I've read on Thanos is not pretty. Um, no, it's really not pretty. <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, it, it's it's just important. Uh, well, what I like is the fact that here we are. We've had. Um, nearly a decade of this MCU going, uh, all these characters have been well developed and, and, and richly sort of, uh, portrayed. And the youngest one in the lineup is Spider-Man. And I think that's awesome because if somehow something good happens between Sony and Disney, um, I'm, I'm hopeful that that means the, the, the best character then gets more, more mileage. But maybe, maybe that's a bit of wishful thinking on my part. Well, that could be maybe, his maybe way Groot, into the, the Maybe Groot is technically though. younger. That that could be his way. In, ah, though. true. You know, if if, if yeah, some yeah. of the some of the older ones or if some of the older ones walk away, or some of the weaker ones get killed off, cough Hawkeye, then you know there there could be an <laughs> opening, and, and they could sort of come to him and say, "Look, you know, we're a little bit thin on the ground. We we really need you to step up. We need you to come and yeah. and become an I Avenger. Think, we think you're ready." The only for thing it is now. lacking. Um, Marvel for me is that kind of heavy emotional hit and I think because it's played safe a little bit because it wants to grow everyone's favourite characters and, and, and peek into this kind of film I think it, it started to lean that way with Civil War do you know what I mean and then we've obviously from a from a different perspective had you know 
uh, Logan, which is extremely bold. And I just hope we get a bit more of that. So obviously getting the audience right, this is a little bit more family orientated, you know what I mean? Than, than a very heavy, dark Logan film. But I think we need to see characters changing. I think it's, it's about time to be honest. And, and it will freshen it up because I think we're, we're at the pinnacle and the peak of, of what they've looked to achieve. And then, they're going to go again, aren't they? Let's be honest. It's not going to stop. Just just um, quickly to add to that, like the only reason Logan has that big emotional payoff, well, not the only reason, but one of the reasons, is because you've been with the character for a while. Exactly. So, and, and I think the MCU's done that job well. So Yeah, it, it, it I, I think take- Civil War hit as emotionally as most films do. Not Logan, but not far off. Because, you know, you had that relationship between Iron Man and... and in cap and it was something else really i thought it really delivered and i think we just need to i think we'll see more of that well i think we'll see a lot more of that in, in the next two big films to be honest i think they're going to be monumental the only thing i'd, I'd be curious to see and, and it's weird because I'd, I'd, i don't know where the uh, uh practically where the future does go because uh, like for example let's say disney does in fact get get more rights to use him does that mean that they bring him more into the does he cross over into daredevil's universe for example because kingpin is actually a, a pretty frequent enemy of spider-man um but i, I don't, don't know i don't think the tv will cross over i don't think that yeah. they, they've been film. pretty categorical in saying that they haven't got any plans short or long term for netflix and the mcu to even remotely come close to each other which is a shame when you it's think about the logistics of, even if you take away so the defended, if you say you've got Spider-Man and Daredevil both operate in New York, you know there is every chance that at some point they're going to rub shoulders. I mean, one of the Daredevil books I was I was reading yesterday, yeah, there, was, there was a minor Avengers crossover with. Um, it was actually, do you remember in Daredevil the uh, the guy? the ex-policeman that gets uh, those tablets where he can he sort of hulks up and he becomes overly strong and that his code name is Nuke or Nuke he was in the Daredevil book I was reading and the Avengers show up to capture him Daredevil's fighting him then all of a sudden Cap Iron Man and Thor show up so wow. you know these things do happen but I imagine that think how long it took Marvel and Sony to come to an agreement imagine how difficult it would be for them to come to the agreement with Netflix as well. It, it, Otherwise, I mean, the, the, the other thing I, I can't necessarily see is how this Spider-Man transitions from that into... Because, I mean, everything I've heard about the... the I don't know if it's true, about the Venom movie is it's going to be R-rated, it's going to be really I scary. I, I, I mean, that sounds cool, but I have no idea how you see Tom Holland Spider-Man in there. At the um, minute, they haven't is, a, they haven't actually mentioned how how he features. They're calling it their Spider Verse, but they haven't had any kind of mention Spider-Man. so far I'm about how as to whether he's actually in it. To be honest, it doesn't sound like he's even that involved. I but. don't think he is because, as you mentioned before, Spider Man is the the vein this at a younger audience, and even as he grows up, you know, when he's eighteen, nineteen, there's a huge, huge gap to fill between him being college university age and all the troubles that he's going to have there. You know, he's been Spider-Man for three or four years and then transferring that character into an R-rated Venom film. But you can't have Venom without the essence of Spider-Man because Venom doesn't exist in this way 
without Spider-Man. He gets his powers from his hatred of Spider-Man. So if he's not in it, he's at least got to be name-checked and mentioned. Or it could be like the little Batman cameo from Suicide Squad, where he's literally on screen for 30 seconds just to paint the picture of, you know, we were bonded with Spider-Man once and, you know, uh, and now we hate him and blah, blah, whatever. But it's going to be very difficult, very, very difficult for them to do. Yeah, I, I, I had this weird, like, little... Uh, uh, sort of dream in my head that maybe what would happen is Infinity War, the Iron Spider suit gets damaged, he rocks up at some machine, very similar to the Secret War storyline where he originally even gets the symbiote in the first place, and then that somehow transitions into the Sony films but I now that yeah. is a brilliant <laughs> way of doing it, because I mean, I, how it, else it just are we getting Spider-Man into space? That's, but that, that's, a, that's, that's fucking brilliant you, should, you need to email someone about that Although be careful when you're emailing Sony because apparently they get hacked every now and then and, you know, Andrew Garfield might have called you a dick or something. <laughs> but that that would be a brilliant way of them of them doing it. Yeah. Because, I, like I mean, it, it's very similar to, to the way he gets the symbiote in the first place. And I just... Um, I'd, I'd initially thought, well, I mean, Thanos is not exactly going to come... Well, I don't think he would come to Earth, but then again, you, you never know. He... He he has to come and get uh, speak to Vision at least very candidly about a certain thing in his head. So we'll see what happens. <coughs> yeah, I, I think that's a pretty good note for us to finish on then, chaps. Cool. So all in all, a film, unsurprisingly, that is unanimously loved. It's making incredible strides at the box office. I think the last time I looked, it was... 702. There you go, you smart ass. So, <laughs> no, so, I, che- I, I checked beforehand. Seven or two million. It should, it should pass uh, Amazing Spider-Man two shortly, which is quite incredible considering you know we we weren't big fans of that. Um, but it's just it's just interesting to see how amazingly well the very first Spider-Man film way back in two thousand two holds up. Um, I don't I don't think it'll catch that. That one made eight twenty one, but it made eight twenty one in two thousand and two. So I mean, give that, that some. Give that it's some with pause. inflation, that that's that's got to be sort of that's comfortably the biggest. It's not even close. I mean, that, um, that's got to be pushing over one and a half billion, surely. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. But but but, but make no mistake, uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming, especially compared to some of the other MCU films, has done really well. Um, I think it would be seventh. Yeah, Some, it would be something seven. like that. Once you start getting to this six and seven hundred millions, you're doing incredibly well. And if it levels out at seven fifty, eight hundred million, it's done incredibly well, considering it's the third stab at a Spider-Man franchise, and it's you know people haven't gone completely cold on it yet. Yeah. So, um, thanks for coming on, Marco. Is there anything that you're working on at the minute, writing or recording wise? Nothing. I am um, uh, on sort of a, a hiatus of this. Just some personal stuff I've got to sort out. Um, I, I I did obviously want to do this, hence hence why I'm here, and and then obviously speaking to you guys about this very special film and this character, which uh, I've loved since I was uh, Rory's kid's age. Um, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens after that. If I if I come back at some point, ah, uh, you'll be back. You always do. You're like a boomerang. <laughs> or whatever a South African equivalent of a boomerang is, I don't know. 
Um, <laughs> I can't think of what about you, Rory? Have you got anything at the minute? Either no, man, or just, out there? Just, just us at the minute. So I'm happy with that. I think football is. Yeah, let's, let's oh, leave. don't don't Ignore. just no. We're Don't in talk about a non-football that, area. We are a non-footballing area. Um, well, so screw, yeah. screw football, screw Liverpool because Liverpool suck. So <laughs> our, our last episode still out, which was the Ant-Man review with uh, with Ali. Before that, Joey and I did our all about Batman, which was really really good fun, and we're hoping to do another one of those soon. Um, I was on the latest issue. Uh, episode sorry of on the box where we did game of thrones episode five so that that one's already out now so by the time this comes out it'll have been out a few days um next up for us i don't know next up for us might depending on when we record might be a review of the defenders which is out this friday so we're probably going to do a review of that in in a couple of weeks because you know most people will have watched it within the space of a week. So if you, I think you say, can't. Uh, no chance, man. Not everyone. Not you. Not just. Not everyone's you. Most people will. Most Marco won't have watched it for at least a year. <laughs> Marco still hasn't even watched Daredevil. No, no, no. I watched Daredevil. You're talking about oh. you, you were. We were speaking Game of Thrones. <sighs> Marco season still three of Game of Thrones. Yeah, it, it's. We almost kicked him off, but it's 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 good job we didn't. It was good pod. He, he's got a yeah. yellow card, so he knows that he's been it's, warned. It's a strong yellow. Yeah. <laughs> so as always, wow. uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for all the engagement that we get online. If you've got any suggestions for things that you want us to chat shit about, or books you want us to review, or suggestions for characters you'd like us to profile, or anything like that, please do let us know. And other than that, we'll catch you next time. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.